Hey, thanks for being a part of the conversation. Let's do some pod crashing. Episode number 268 is with Ultra Nate from the podcast, The History of the World's Greatest Nightclubs. Hi, Arrow. How are you? How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. Thank you. What a journey that you're putting us on. And I, I don't know if it's because I'm a, a club DJ and a mobile DJ and a radio DJ and stuff like that. But I, you just you really captured my heart and continue to capture my heart with the history of the world's greatest nightclubs. Thank you. And that is exactly what it's meant to do. Capture everyone's heart and everyone's responding to it wonderfully. Well, you know, what's what's so interesting about a nightclub is that there's a story before the story and you prove that true in Detroit. You know, I mean, you, you break it down to the point of somebody who's, you know, where where they're playing this this new techno sound in, in, in the apartment below them. And then all of a sudden you start talking to the DJs who help create it. Exactly. It's like it's so personal in that way. And so many people can connect with that because they think they're far removed from this culture. And then you find out oh, I'm actually really adjacent to it in some kind of way. And that that story for the FBI agent is like so many people's story out there. But you, what's so fascinating is that it, it, it's like when you turn on the lights at a nightclub, the real world happens again. And it's, and it's so you, you would never think that an FBI agent would be in there just dancing away, having a party in her own little world. Getting life every weekend, <laughs> you know, relentlessly. And that's, and that's how it, you know, it goes to show how it can be such a spiritual place, a place of release, a place of community and family and and how that brought something to her life that she needed. She didn't even realize like it was right up under her nose and about to completely change her life. How did you make that connection? I mean, you didn't just get on Google and say, okay, people who attended this club. No, well, you know, it was already selected. You know, Paris Hilton, who executive produces the, mm-hmm. the podcast, Paris and her 1111 media company had already done their research, had already put all of the infrastructure together. And then they approached me earlier this year with the the whole package of like, this is what's going on. Paris is launching this new podcast. And we would really love for you to come on board and be the host and the name and face of this podcast. So the 12 clubs were already selected. Um, and then I stepped in and put my, you know, put myself into the mix when I did the actual recording and narration to kind of bring it all together. Um, and it was just, it was such an amazing project to, to be presented with because, you know, basically my whole career has embodied club culture. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but Paris Hilton, she traveled the country as a DJ. I mean, and, and some people go, what? But, but she, the world. Yeah. 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 She, she actually spun music. Yeah. Yeah. She's had an Ibiza residency, um, which we, you know, we, we love Ibiza, you know, it's the party capital of the world. Um, yeah, she's been spinning for quite a while and she's running around the world doing doing many, many things, but definitely a DJ as well. One of the things that really flooded my heart while listening to the podcast is I went, I actually thought, okay, so Charlotte doesn't have really, we've got clubs, but not clubs like this anymore. What has mm-hmm. happened to the club? Have we lost to the DJs, to Coachella and all of these festivals? Because it seems like that's where everybody is growing. Well, you know, there's a lot of things changing and evolving, but I think people are finding that love and appreciation for what these kind of spaces create. I think that you you always have to make room for change. There's always going to be room. There's always going to be change. The festivals have come. They're not going to go away. 
right. they are a very specific lane. But I don't think they replace what happens when when people are in a room together, immersed in the sound. It's a different kind of animal in what these kind of spaces create. And they are having a rebirth again. So I'm, I'm very um, happy to see that happening around the world. Again, people are creating these kinds of spaces and understanding the value of the immersive situation with with sound and culture and bodies tight together in a room and like where that magic transcends us all to. One of the stories that listeners and or party goers don't really get to hear club owners. Oh, my God. They can either be dark or they can be inspiring. But but it is all about the business. It is. And that can really shape what the club's energy is about. I mean, that's really, it all starts at the root. I mean, everything starts at at the root of what the motive is. And if it is an owner who has a love for music and a, and a love for creating a space, the intention of creating a space that's going to bring a sense of community and bring an evolution to the culture and, and, and not completely money driven and just um, how do I eliminate the experience and just, you know, get the bag, then, yeah, you're going to have that kind of energy and people are going to feel like they're transient and transactional in a way. When you have a club owner that comes that approaches it with a love for the scene and the music and the culture, you're going to feel that in the way that people have a sense of community built around that space. You know, one of the things as spinning music in a nightclub, um, one, I, I love feeling a floor and I would put a slow song on because I, I like seeing people together because I thought that's what dancing was all about. It was about doing things together. And a club owner mm-hmm. came up to me and he goes, I am here to sell alcohol, mister. If you play another <laughs> slow song, you're done. Yeah, well, that's pretty apparent where where that was from. And and again, there's room for everything because people are looking for different things. And it is a there is a business involved in, you know, club culture. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on the space and the energy around it. But you know the difference. You know when you're in a space where people really care about the music and really caring about the music and the culture doesn't mean that the owner can't sustain a living because we can't create the space and keep the space going for our culture if the owners are not making money some kind of way. But there has to be some kind of balance. You know, I'm also a a club promoter myself. I have Mm -hmm. a longstanding party called Deep Sugar that's 20 years old now. And I've, you know, facilitated that party happening for the last 20 years at my own expense. And many times I've won and many times I've lost, but I've always been willing to take that gamble And that's really the decision that you have to make as a club owner or promoter in what are you trying to bring at the end of the day and how much are you willing to risk? That's just, you know, that's just the reality of it. One of the things that has really, um, I'm not going to say that it's damaged uh, uh, what the the entertainers that are up up in that booth, the smartphone and and streaming, because I don't know how many times people have gotten to me up there at that booth and they're pointing at their phone going, play this one, play this one. They do not understand the art and the emotion that we're trying to capture. Yeah, I think that's a product of the the newer technologies and in the way that they've uh, broken down music and made it so that, you know, you playlist everything and you just kind of mishmash things together. Um, That part of the art is a little bit lost. But again, I think it depends on the space that you're in. If it's a very commercial oriented space where it's really just about playing like the top 20 hits on, you know, Spotify at this moment then yeah, that's what you're going to get. But if you're in a club where it's really based on the music and a culture and a scene, 
in a, in a crowd that gets music and being in a relationship with the DJ, DJ and being taken on, on a journey throughout the course of a night, then it's not, you know, a, a of the moment kind of situation with the music that's selected. And the DJ is looked at as, you know, the orchestrator of my experience tonight. You know, I'm fully immersed in this for the night for an experience. So it's a different animal. You know, one of the things that, that, you know, you talk about the techno age, I was there when it was starting to happen in the clubs here, but I also then started going through this new thing called EDM and I'll never forget a club here in Charlotte that he, he would do things in that. He would say, okay, those of you in for the EDM, this is all for you. And, 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 you know, I'm going, wait, there, there's a different side of this. And, and, and that, so, I mean, but, but if you didn't go to a club, you didn't experience it. <laughs> Well, the whole talking over the mic thing is pretty wild anyway, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you did have to go to the club to experience it at, at one point in time. But that's that. I mean, that goes to show the evolution of how technology has impacted the culture. Um, and I but I guess, you know, in my buoyantly optimistic way to look at how music has evolved and how the the scenes have evolved we have to find you know a balance with technology and we also have to those of us who come from a different place with the culture have to teach and help the newer generations kind of experience yeah. things in from a different perspective so we create these spaces that do that in a way I know with my party, my party has always been a culture of the older generations teaching the younger generations when they come in, how you, you know, what the, what the protocols are, like what, you know, there's a culture of not drinking on the dance floor because you're spilling drinks and that's where people are dancing, you know, but it depends on where you are and what the community in that space is about. So we can't, you know, if, if that's not working for you, then that's not where your tribe is. You have to find where your tribe is. And that's really what the podcast is about, is about all of these collective spaces where people found their tribe. They found their music culture and it took them to a, a place it elevated them in a way that they never saw coming. And that's really that's really the, the, the point of it all. One of the things that I was blessed with in the early days is that our radio station actually created Planet Q here in Charlotte. And so I got to see the actual planning out of how they were going to put a spaceship inside this club. They built the spaceship. I got to be with the managers and the designers and wow. things. And and it's like, so so I'm I'm really blown away by the, the Detroit story because you do take it from ground zero where they were practicing with the music and everything. And so, I mean, but, but it's just one of those. But then you find out that radio stations are not supposed to be associated with nightclubs. And so it's like, oh, right, yeah. yeah. Right, so, right. but but the thing is, is that, but that's what I love about about this podcast is that you really do take us behind the scenes. How how do you feel when you're bringing it forward by way of being behind that microphone and sharing the story? Well, I'm so inside each story, whether I had actually ever gone to that specific club or not. With recording each episode, I would I had to be inside each story. And, you know, it was obviously drawing on all of my own personal experiences because it was these specific kind of stories and cultures that built my career and built who I am as a person. I've been in music for three decades now, and it yeah. all started as just a club kid on the dance floor. So 
when I'm talking about what's happening behind the scenes for Sierra as the FBI agent, um, you know, for London Uday as, you know, a club kid that was that was far removed from from London and 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 dying to get over there to experience what this culture was about at trade at turn mills. Like I've lived all of those stories in one way or another as like a wide eyed teenager when I first stepped into this music or, you know, in many in, uh, parts of the story of Danceteria in episode two, how, you know, Madonna and Beastie Boys and all of these people that we know as icons now were just like regular kids, just kids off the street who were attracted to this space that welcomed them with open arms as nobodies and gave them the fertile ground that they needed to explore this art, you know, to make to make art, to make mistakes and to just really be free without anyone judging them. That is exactly how I ended up in the music business. So I'm so aligned with all with so many parts and so many threads in all of these stories that it really just created a very emotional response for me and, and a sense of pride and gratification to be the voice and the and the person to represent this. You take me back to that old movie drive-in, Thank God It's Friday, was on that screen. And, and, and it tells the story of Donna Summer just trying to get her song played. And, and it, because, I mean, I mean, I mean the, the, the artists that would bring me their mixes, and you had to take a chance. Oh, my God. Because if that failed that floor, you had a conversation. I can, <laughs> I can so imagine. That's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And, but look at how that happened, how that came together just so organically. Like, it was a risk for the DJ to play madonna's track in that moment like she was mm-hmm. just like part of you know the kids you know in the space and had just wore them down with tenacity and just like you're gonna play my record like come on and just wore them down and finally got her track played and lit the club up and that set the fire right there like that that was the match right there it's so amazing to have that kind of backdrop story to really personalize it in a way that people can connect with that innocence, that that age of innocence for her and her career and just how everything was so organic and raw in these spaces that they were basically like little solar systems being built, you know, by like planets clashing together. It was, um, you know, just that raw and real and that is my story as well of of falling into the music business really by just like creating a song on a lark and a dj playing it because he loved it nobody know knew who i was never heard the song he loved it and it went bonkers in his club and then he started playing it all the time and then he started playing it on his radio show you know, Tony Humphreys, I'm speaking of specifically in New Jersey at the time from Club Zanzibar, again, an iconic underground club that had its own culture and its own vibe. And that was part of the spark that started my whole career. So I'm, I'm at the, when I say I'm in alignment with so many aspects of these stories of all 12 of them, you know, I, I've lived them from from various angles and degrees. And you're very clear in sharing with listeners right from the very beginning. You're not saying, hey, look, this isn't American Top 40. These are the top 12 clubs in the world. You're saying these are some of the best clubs in the world. You, Yeah, you're very clear then. We have yep. to be yep. very clear about that because, you know, this is a very passionate thing, you know, and I really appreciate how Paris 
uh, Paris Hilton, who is the executive producer and her, her 1111 media company, approached the research on this and approached how they wanted these stories to be shaped, because that's so important to this culture. There are still massive arguments online, you know, on social networking over who started, you know, who started house music or, you know, the the people take this very, very personal. This is how people's lives and their livelihoods began. Um, And they approached it with such reverence and such importance of crediting the LGBTQIA plus community, um, black and brown communities, people that were involved in creating these spaces, the political activism that was born out of of some of these spaces, um, along with the artists, the DJs, the icons that came out of these spaces, the music genres that were born out of these spaces. You know, they were really careful to align all of these things. And so it was really important for me when I was reading the scripts, like, yes, this is something that I can stand behind. I can be proud of this because these stories are giving credit to the origins of it. And it's not about the shiny nickel, you know, because people always, you know, want to throw the shiny nickel out there to draw attention. That's why this is a history account and a love letter, a deep dive into how this this story, these scenes have impacted all of us to create what we now see as these shiny nickels everywhere. One of the, I always, I always have to kind of, you, you've taken me back into this world because I'll never, I'll never forget what it was like to be a club DJ back in the eighties and nineties. If you weren't walking out smelling like smoke, you weren't the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I feel for you, babe. That was always the hard part. <laughs> oh my God. I always thought I was going to get cancer all because I was the DJ. <laughs> I feel for you. You know, I was in the underground club, so, you know, we were just about dancing hard and just <laughs> getting our lives and you know how you know that was your agenda for the weekend the whole week all you thought about and all you planned for was what i was going to wear and getting That's into true. the space to let the fool loose for hours <laughs> on the dance floor like how much dancing can I do without dying? <laughs> that was always the agenda for us. So no one to go smoke a cigarette. You know, we would occasionally leave the floor to go drink or dance or yeah. you know whatever. But it was really centered around dancing and the culture of spirituality because for yeah. us, it was like church. Going to the club was like church. You know, yeah. people go to the used to go to the clubs to find love, to find community, to find their tribe. It's a lot of layers all out there. And when that music starts and you, you're in a great sound system and, mer- and immersed in a moment, you know, all of your fear, all of your anxiety, all of your stress, all of that kind of melts away. And you're just really locked in this moment of magic. And it's it's so transcendental. And that's really mm-hmm, what we mm-hmm. to convey with each story for people to really feel to be transported into that space where they feel how transcendental this 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 culture can be when all of those elements come together. You talk about finding love. That's exactly where I met my wife. We just celebrated 30 this years of marriage. What I'm yeah, I'm this telling you. This is what you. I'm saying. It, what's yeah. so funny is that I drove by the club the other day. I hadn't been on that road in years. And I'm going, oh, my God, there's there's another club in there. But it's still a club. Yes. Isn't that beautiful? Like there's some energy about that space. 
that that's very impacting, you know. And it's really sad, though, when some of the clubs that I've grown up in, when they left, like Space in Ibiza, yeah. like that was so I mean, they pulled my heart out when when Space closed in Ibiza because I spent so many nights there and, and I DJ there. I've sang there many times. I was in residency. I lived in Ibiza for a couple summers in residency and it was a huge sense of community in that particular club. Was a, was a shiny nickel, but it was always based on the culture and the love of music and the love of community. And people from around the world went there and it was everything to so many people. So there is a, a huge emotional aspect to our relationships with these spaces. Wow. Well, once again, uh, it, you're brilliant when it, when it comes to this. The history of the world's greatest nightclubs. You got to come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is Thank always going to be open for you. Thank you. I would love to. Absolutely. Well, you be brilliant, okay? Absolutely. And thank you so much for all the love and support on the podcast. You bet. Thank you. Hey, Arrow. Yes, Arrow, sir. before you go, I got a quick story for you and, and Ultra. The um, I, I was DJing at Voodoo Lounge in the early 2000s, like 2002 through 2006. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so we had gone out for, for my friend's birthday uh, in Times Square, I think it was Carmine's or Tony DiNapoli's or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I I left there, you know, a little bit early to get to the club to get all set up and everything. And uh, and then all my buddies were coming over to the club as they always did every Saturday night. And um, so when my buddy Ian walked in, whose birthday it was, his favorite artist is Frank Sinatra. Oh boy! Okay, oh. and his favorite song is The Summer Wind. So I said, all right, I got to um, I got to do something special for my boys. So I put on I, I cut the song, whatever hip hop or dance song. I think it was a hip hop song. I think it was like playing Hello Cool J or something like that. And I um, stopped the song. I put on the summer wind as him as he walked in. <laughs> and everyone like all the, the club owner standing there he's looking around looking at me like I'm crazy yeah. everyone all the bouncer everything everyone on the dance floor that was just dancing to um to around the way girl started dancing to summer wind wow that's it that and not in one of them left the dance floor not one of them left the dance floor that's the power of music See, you can never assume like look at that yep Everyone was locked in it. That's the power of this podcast because you're going to get people to start conversations about their memories. Absolutely. And make new memories. There will be people ready to make new memories. And and they're going to want to get like they want now that they have an understanding of all the facets. They're going to, you know, approach clubbing with a whole new, you know, with an open eye, with a whole new respect and, and idea of like what this is or what it can be. And that's what music's really all about, guys, you know? Absolutely. And it has to be there for the history anyway, for like, for posterity. This information needs to be out there and contextualized in this way. For the for the generations, absolutely. Oh, Bill, I've, I'm sorry for taking too much time, but oh, I love. No, talking no, you're to you the girl. last station. That's why I. That's why I did. You're the last no, one. No, you were great. It was great. You were fine. Well, you have a great day, you two. Okay. Thank you so much, Ari. You have a wonderful day. Have a good weekend, Ari. Talk to you Monday.